No, no, no. She's not a medical doctor, but she can sure cure your tax problems or your financial woes. She's the how-to girl. It's the Dr. Friday Show. If you have a question for Dr. Friday, call her now, 737-WWTN. That's 737-9986. So here's your host, financial counselor and tax consultant, Dr. Friday. Today, I'm Dr. Friday, and the doctor is in the house, and we are live here on Saturday, this wonderfully sunny, I guess if that's probably the term, this really nice Saturday outside. I've been working all day, but I did get a chance to go out earlier, and it's very nice. So hopefully you guys are enjoying your Saturday, and if you have any tax questions, we all know we're coming up on a, another deadline here. Now, most of us already hit, I guess you would say, the one deadline of August 2nd. Now the next one is going to be at the true extension deadline date, which is October 15th for individuals. All operating businesses are going to be September 15th. So those are coming up. Um, and, you know, before you know it, you also have your third estimated payment, which is going to be due on September 15th, unless something changes. So making plans, you know, there's a lot of changes every year. And I think this year, maybe more than some because of the real estate market here in Tennessee, I have had an outrageous number of individuals that have decided to sell either a rental property, second home, a primary home. Um, and so you're going to be looking at some tax changes that you might not normally have in your situation. So that would be one of those times when it's between the, t the, the crazy seasons to talk to your tax person and make sure that you've set enough money aside for the potential of capital gains. Um, you know, so that way we know right now, capital gains rates are zero. If you're in the 15% tax bracket, which is kind of now the 12, and then it goes to 15%. Then it'll go to 18.8, and then it'll go to 23.8. Um, and that pretty much when you hit over 400 and some, well, 460,000 when you're maximizing that for a married couple. So that will be something you need to be looking at, making sure you understand. And if you have questions about that, or maybe you're just getting ready to start thinking about changes that might be happening, changing of jobs. Um, many people are relocating to different areas. It seems like these can also cause some tax changes. If you get a job that makes more money, it's a good problem to have, but it can have, and you can reach us here. The radio phone number is 615-737-9986, 615-737-9986. And we can take your calls here live. Again, if you're dealing with any of those, I, um, took a meeting earlier this week, um, uh, with someone that was another thing when you're selling real estate, a lot of times in some cases, you might have a lot of leftover furniture, goodwill per se items. And how do you track that? And is it even going to be a tax deduction in the year of 2021? Um, and so what we, we did do in this particular person's situation, they haven't been itemizing the last number of years because their mortgage is not, you know, $40,000 or even $20,000 and their property taxes. Um, even though we can double up and do every other year, you still have a maximum on property taxes and sales tax for the state of $10,000 on the salt tax. So we can maximize the salt tax. We have the mortgage interest. So in this particular year, giving all the money to goodwill, but also possibly maximizing at the same time, 
your standard charitable contributions that you would normally make. Um, and if you do that on an every other year basis, sometimes the odd years or the even whatever year you do it can kick into itemizing. Now, this doesn't work for everyone because, again, going up to $24,000, $25,000 for itemizing is going to make it a bit difficult for some individuals, even if they're giving their maximum charity, um, especially if they don't have mortgages. Um, I do have clients that every year itemize because of their charitable contributions, but in many cases, that's not the case. So you need to sit down talk. Is there anywhere, any place in your taxes that you might be missing the potential of being able to put a few dollars in your pocket versus giving it to Uncle Sam. That's really the game we like to play. That's the understanding we like to go after and trying to figure out what we have and where we have that information so that we can, you know, kind of maximize it. Um, so that was one side. Another question that came in was about adoption credit. Um, one of my clients was in the process of adopting a child and they wanted to make sure that they would be able to qualify for the adoption credit. In their case, they um, actually weren't able to because their income was over the $255,000. There is a cap on adoption credits. And the funny thing is, haha, it's the same for single people as it is for married. So anyone that tells you that there is not a marriage penalty in taxes, obviously does not file a lot of tax returns for the individuals that may have some unique or different situations. So again, if anything like that comes up, and these are usually once in a lifetime situations that you might be looking at, and you might need to figure out what is the best time for me to do something? How should I do it? What, you know, where, where's the breaking point? So I know if I'm making over this, then, you know, that's going to change or, or whatever else. So you want to make sure, and of course, I had a ton of people during tax season because they all worked from home. They wanted to be able to take that and uh, deduct the, the home office. And that is not an opportunity for individuals to be able to do. You cannot write off a home office while you're actually um, working there if you're a W-2 employee, not something that can be done not um, available on the tax code that dropped off in 2018 and may become available again in 2026. We are all waiting to find out um, what changes may be coming down on, and if any of the tax changes we have right this second are permanent or if they are not. So again, if you've got questions, you can reach us here live in the studio at 615-737-9986, 615-737-9986. An email in right now that just asked about alimony. I think there, I don't know if there's something that's been in the news or something because obviously back, um, what was it? The Tax uh, Cuts and Jobs Act of 2017, right? Um, that one came in and it eliminated alimony as income as of December 31st is December 31st, 2018. So if that's the case, then we need to be able to take care of uh, what we have happening. Sorry about the back noise room. I don't have anyone in the office with me, but my puppies. So we have to make sure we have that moving forward. All right. And so what we need to do next is to be able to make sure if you have alimony and you were divorced after December 31st, 2018, your alimony is not taxable income. If you were divorced prior to December 31st, 2018, it is taxable. Unless you made some sort of deal somewhere else, it was the way the law. So again, many people seem to be 
receiving information or thinking that now that somehow as of December 31st, 2018, all alimony became non-taxable. That is not the situation. And so we have to be able to um, make it work and do what we need to do and how we're going to do it. So, um, you know, again, that is the way that works. If you're in the process of selling your primary home, sometimes people have that question, but the biggest thing is you have is you need to make sure that you have um, the, the exclusion, right? So if I purchased my home and I've lived in it two out of the last five years and I purchased it for 200,000 and I sell it for 450,000, I would pay zero tax on that because of the situation. But if I had brought the home at 200,000 and I sold it for 600,000, I then would have $150,000 tax due on that situation. So we'll be able to take, um, you know, so you need to understand that's for a single individual, just in case I didn't, and the, the marriage exclusion or the credit for, or for a married couple would be 500. So the same scenario, if you brought it for 200 and you sold it for 450, you would not, but if you brought it for 200 and sold it for 800,000 in that case, then you would pay tax on the additional 100,000 above the five plus the two. So if you have questions on that or any other tax question that might be on your mind, 615-737-9986, 615-737-9986, taking your calls, talking about all things taxes, making sure that we understand exactly how the tax is going to hurt or help us in these situations. Um, because again, timing is everything when it comes to taxes. So really understanding where your taxes are and how you're going to be able to handle it is part of making sure the decisions you're making is good. I mean, it may sound awesome. I unfortunately had a tax client call and he had been living in his house for a year and a half and uh, he had a great offer on the table and decided to sell, did not ask me because he might've been able to delay the owners of that house if they knew they could have it. Anyways, he ended up with long-term capital gains and he could not take the exclusion because he had not lived in the house for the two years out of five years. So um, he still made a nice profit, but unfortunately the government was going to get a chunk of money that they wouldn't have had to get if he had just waited. And it was like four months. I mean, it wasn't a huge wait, but it was uh, like four months after the closing. So um, talking about real estate and something I know that we talk about probably quite often on the radio, but the 1031 exchange is a wonderful opportunity, but that is not for primary homes. So you can do what's called an exchange or a 1031 exchange. If you're thinking about selling some of your real estate, rental real estate, um, and you basically get a great deal, then you can turn around without paying taxes and reinvest it back in investment real estate again. Um, so that way you basically keep growing the money, it's almost like being in an IRA in essence, the, the taxable dollars will grow with the money that you're invested in that way, then you'll be able to make it to that next level and take care of things. But very, very important that you basically understand how that works. And if it's, um, if it's going to be best for you, because another conversation that uh, many of my colleagues have been having um, on some of our um, internet sites is is it better to go ahead and pay those taxes? Because under some of the new rules and regulations that the Biden is suggesting is basically eliminating the 1031, uh, making people go ahead and pay the tax before they basically reinvest it. it you know, it's, it's an opportunity. So it's something to consider. Is it a good idea? Taxes are low right now. 
And then another thing they're talking about is bringing capital gains tax up to almost 30%. So these are things we have to keep our eyes on and make really good decisions now that will hopefully help you in the future as well as what we know right this second. All right, so we're going to get ready to take our first break, and you can join us live here in studio. If you've got questions, maybe you haven't filed taxes for a number of years, maybe you're thinking about opening a small business. What type of entity should you be, at least based on the tax advantages? Those are the kinds of questions you can call the show with, 615-737-9986, and we'll be right back. here live in studio and we can take your phone calls if you like you can join us here in the studio at 615-737-9986-615-737-9986 and let's go ahead and hit jeff hey jeff thanks for calling hi dr friday enjoy your show uh a question here um uh my wife uh died 21 months ago towards the end of uh 2019 and I've heard that there's something called, I believe, a reset appraisal that I need to look into if I have the terminology right. Uh, we we bought the house uh, in 1993 for $140,000, and it's currently valued, I believe, at more than 500000 So I've been told that if the information is correct, that I can get a reset appraisal back to the date of her death, and that that would give me a new floor for the capital gains uh, if I ever sell the house, uh, that, Jeff, that's, you're that's all. Really Thank you. smart. No, really, really smart. That's a great question. And very few people um, actually think about it. And yes, what happens is, is that you guys brought that jointly. So each of you actually had 70 and 70, let's say in the original purchase. Um, unfortunately, she passed away. But in the year or within the month or two of her death, if you have um, someone that can pull comps of your area, and then you would get that 50% step up on her side. So let's say it was worth 300000 for simple math on my side. Then it would increase instead of, uh, instead of 70, it would be 150 her share and your 70. So it would bring you up to you know, 220 versus 140 in simple math. All right. I see. Is there a time limit on when I can have this done by? I've just learned of this. Am I running up against a clock deadline? Or you are not. Really, the clock is when you get ready to sell. Um, but it would be good because you may not remember to do this later in, you know, people will say, usually when a lot of my clients, sometimes it isn't, but we, we have great real estate people we work with, but, um, it, sooner versus later, put it in with your documentation. Cause you know, if you do decide to sell and then, then you'll need that, or you may want that, especially with the cost of real estate going up here in, uh, Nashville. I see. So should I just contact an appraiser then or somebody that specializes in this? Uh, You can do something. uh, I mean, if you have anybody that is in real estate, a lot of times they can pull four comps of the area around the time that your wife passed away, that the houses were done. You can also hire an appraiser that would give you an official or even maybe just something. It doesn't have to be a totally official appraisal, to be quite honest with you. Um, it really just needs to be a, um, a comp that is similar to within so many miles of your house that that happened. I around, see. Yeah, oh. so... Oh, that helps. Okay, well, thank you so much for your answer. I really enjoy your show, and you have a you have a good weekend. Thank you, Jeff. I appreciate the phone call. All right, okay, we're going to keep moving forward here, but that is something that um, many times, of course, 
what happens is that if you lose a spouse, the house gets the 50% step up in basis based on the individual that passed away. And then of course, if uh, both individuals pass away and it's left to their beneficiaries, the house, we get a total step up in basis to the um, time that they last person passed away, whatever it was, and they, they inherited. So um, those are very, very important. And um, I would probably touch base if, I mean, appraisal will probably cost you a couple hundred dollars. If you just ask for someone to do a comp appraisal for you, my guess last appraisal I spent on one of my rental properties, the refi was a bit higher than that but you're not looking for actual dollar for dollar kind of situation. We're looking more for what was the common price going through. I would not use, some people come back and say, well, here's the property taxes. But the problem with property taxes are they are usually running behind. I mean, I know we all got new increases fairly recently, but there, a lot of them are running behind. And so it may not be the best price um, to use is all I'm going to say. You might do better if you had a, a better pricing. Um, so, I do have one that came in right now and it's a, uh, this person's asking me about the PPP2 draw and um, they got it in February. Can they um, get forgiveness? And the answer is yes. Um, I know myself um, uh, with all my clients, we have now started to put forgiveness in for PPP2. And if you have not gotten PPP1 forgiven, unless you received it late, uh, some people, when PPP2 was out, they were actually getting one and two at the same time because they didn't know they qualified. Uh, but in the case that if you got your PPP1, uh, which is the uh, payroll protection plan one, in, mm, let's say, probably mid to late 2020, you basically needed to have that forgiven or you're going to, it's going to turn into a loan. And that's the last thing anyone needs when you have something with a possibility of forgiveness. The second one is uh, PPP2. Um, that one is a little bit trickier because we also have to show the 25% loss of, of revenue or, or income, I should say, in the, in a period of time in one of the quarters. So, um, but those are both in a play and in existence. So it's very important that you're able to um, move that along and do what you have to do uh, to get that to be free because paying back, I mean, even if the interest rates are decent, it's still not something you want to do. So, um, and I do know sometimes it takes a couple tries. I know I'm working on one right now and they came back and they need additional information. Uh, but it, again, it is forgivable if you're willing to take the time to make it work for you. So if you need help with that, you can also call my firm. Uh, but right now, if you want to join us on the radio, you can at 615-737-9986. 615-737-9986 is the number here in studio. And so we'll talk a little bit more about what you need to do and how you need to do um, some of that if you are a new business owner and you're sitting there thinking, hmm, what type of entity should I be? Now I'm gonna give you the advice of a tax person. Attorney, it may have different advice and they, you know, there's two different sides. When we're thinking about business, you have legal and protection and you've got taxation. Which one, and sometimes they don't always go hand in hand. 
Sometimes they're a perfect match. So you really just need to figure out which one's going to be best for you. Part of it also is what type of industry are you in? I mean, for example, my business, I mean, it's a service business. Um, I don't likely going to have anything that I do that's going to necessarily hurt somebody. So my liability for someone slipping and falling or getting hurt is less than maybe someone that is in the construction business where there's always tools and things sitting around where someone could trip, fall or get hurt. So you have to take in consideration the type of industry you are. Is there a possibility of someone getting hurt? Um, Second thing would be is, is there more than one partner? Is there more than one member of an LLC or corporation? Um, are they both actually working or is one an investor and one actually is working? A lot of times you'll have someone that puts the money in and the other side is uh, sweat labor, you know, where the person's actually working to build the brand or the business and therefore then they start making a product. And then at that point, they both will eventually get to a um, equal playing field. But at first, uh, the it's easier to see the person that puts money into a business because they, hey, I put $10,000 in, that's black and white. You know, you need to generate so much sales and profits to show that you've actually contributed this. So that's the kind of thing you need to understand. If it's a single individual that's doing something very simple, I think you need to keep it simple. I know when you go everywhere, it's always LLC, corporation, partnership. Um, and again, there are good reasons to have each one of those entities, but if you've never been self-employed, um, if you have employees, I would definitely suggest having an entity of an LLC or a corporation, again, depending on the situation. But if you're a single person running a single business and you really are running it from your house, uh, the likeliness of any kind of person coming to your home and, and getting hurt, I would say carry very good insurance, but the need to actually be something other than a sole proprietor probably not necessary from just starting up because when you start getting into LLCs and corporations, there's also a lot more requirements in maintaining and making sure you're not piercing the limited liability, making sure that the corporate shield is a corporate shield. And a lot of times small business owners are using the same card to go to McDonald's in the day, go fill up their gas gasoline, and then obviously going and, um, you know, buying supplies for the home as well as the business. And that kind of crossing of personal and business does actually pierce the shield. It's that simple. You are not running it as a business any longer. You're basically using it as your private checkbook. And that's fine if you're a sole proprietorship or a single member LLC. Not so good if you're a corporation or a multi-member LLC. And to be honest with you, in all truth, we never really want to have somebody um, mixing personal and business because it's very difficult to have a clean financial statement. And I know everybody that is self-employed guys, every one of you listening, when you stop and get your morning Starbucks and then you stop and get your lunch and then you stop and get your, your candy bar because you're filling up the petrol, whatever. Um, and you, you add all of that in cause it's all part of your work day. You're sitting there going, well, it's no, it's not a tax deduction. Those are none necessities to getting your income. None of them are tied to your income. If you were meeting customers at the coffee house and you actually generated income from meeting, I'm not just saying, Hey, I hand out cards every day. I go to the coffee house, not quite the same thing, but, um, and the same thing, if you're buying yourself lunch and then, oh, well, I talk to people at the local diner or whatever it is you're eating. And you say, that's, what's going to create me that then maybe, but not really guys, you're not truly generating 
income from those situations. So those are not legitimate tax deductions. And you really want to make sure if you're going to do this, you won't be able to sleep at night. So when we get back, we're going to talk a little bit about some of the standard deductions business owners can have, explain a little bit about maybe business travel as meals, entertainment, transportation, uh, so that you can, you know, start preparing your records, knowing what you need to have and how it works versus not really having that kind of situation. And also maybe we'll touch a little bit on this email. I got just a little while ago from uh, expenses reimbursement plan from an employer to see if that is something that, um, that you may have at the office and you don't even know that your employer has a reimbursement plan or it's not a true one meaning there are certain rules and regulations that have to go with it. And so therefore they cannot reimburse you for your homestay or fuel going back and forth to the office. So you want to join the show, you can 615-737-9986, 615-737-9986. We're going to be right back with the Dr. Friday show. are back here in studio and we are here to talk a little bit more about taxes my favorite thing i'm an enrolled agent licensed with the internal revenue service to do taxes and representation so that is what i do so if you haven't filed taxes for a number of years or maybe you keep getting love letters and you're trying to figure out how can i get this off my back it's not you know it's not going nowhere all it does is keep growing even though i'm sending in payments what is your opportunity so if you want a fair assessment a true assessment I'm not one of those companies that you're going to hear on the radio or whatever that says, oh, if you owe more than $10,000, we can help you. It's not that simple sometimes. There has to be a true assessment made. Not every one of you are the exact same. Some cases we have gotten from hundreds of thousand dollars to pennies on the dollar. Other cases we have gotten 50% less. You know, it really comes down to truly what you can afford, what the situation is, and what you um, have access to. And nowadays the law changed a lot up until recently. Um, we were able to, um, take a home, the value of the equity in the home kind of off the table. If you weren't able to access it in an offer and compromise, if your credit was just so bad, or you didn't have the ability to take on a bigger mortgage, but that rule has changed. So even though we have uh, the fresh start program, it's still a great program. It's just that we have to make sure each person qualifies properly. So if you're thinking that you might want to do something, we have options. You got fresh start or offer and compromise. You've got payment plans. You have bankruptcy. All of these are on the table to find a way to get you out from under the IRS and making sure that you don't do things kind of backwards. I had a client got an offer and compromise, took care of it. They were doing good. They were still upside down on a few things. So they thought, oh, it'd be better if I just go bankrupt. But when they went bankrupt, they messed up the offer and compromise. So um, you, you got to be smart. You got to be able to understand what the IRS and what other government agencies are thinking so that you can, you can move forward and do what you need to do. But if you have questions on that, or you have a friend or someone that might be dealing with it, you can very easily give us a call here right now in the station at 615 737-9986-615-737-9986. Okay. So a lot of my listeners and many of my clients, I do taxes for both regular individuals, but you know, I do love my entrepreneurs and business owners. Um, and so what we actually have is um, under the, the Tax Consolidated Appropriation Act of 2021, in order to help the struggling restaurants and increase the business meal deduction for cost of food and beverages provided by restaurants for 50% to 100% 
in the year of 2021 and 2022. So let me reiterate that. Right now, as a business owner, when I take my clients out to dinner um, or I meet with a colleague, we can only deduct 50% of that meal. So if I pay for the meal, basically I get to deduct usually what the other person ate. I would have had to eat anyway, according to the IRS. So that was the law. But under the Consolidated Appropriation Act of 2021, which came out like in March, they changed that deductions for the year of 2021 and 2022. So all my entrepreneurs, listen up. You will get a 100% deduction on uh, meals that were qualified for the 50% deduction. Now, again, I want to reiterate that this has absolutely nothing to do with um, you going out to lunch if you work at a local, you know, lurk, work right around here and do things. This is for qualified meals, which basically means meals that should be either generating business income or associated with your business. Uh, the recent change to the tax law extended the 50% deduction limited to employer operated eating facilities through 25. And after 25 year 2025, employer operating eating facilities uh, become non deductible, which also means that if you run a restaurant and you allow your employees, to eat. Normally that food is non-deductible, but right now it's running through 2025 under this. They, they excluded it and extended that to go through there. So hopefully that's information you could use. Richard is on the line. Let's see what Richard has to say. Hey, Richard. Thanks for taking my call. Um, I'm currently um, paying back the IRS and back taxes on a monthly installment plan. Uh-huh. And my wife and I may be selling our home in, I don't know, six to eight months. Uh, can the IRS, I owe them about $12,000 right now. Can the IRS withhold that what I owe them when we sell the home from the proceeds we receive? If there's a lien against the house, the answer is yes. No. If there's no, no, there's lien, no lien, then they're happy with the payment plan and they will not do anything. Okay, yeah, there's no lien or anything like that. Yeah. So we can sell it without a problem. A sec second quick question for you. Mm -hmm. We paid uh, about 170,000 for the home on the market right now. It's about 370, but we're wanting to downsize and maybe buy a $200,000 home. Are we going to be subject to uh, uh, what no, do you call capital gains tax? Place, Richard. Nope. The, the current tax law is, is providing a credit. So since you're married, you could sell that house theoretically for $670,000 and not pay a dollar. So okay, you're cool. well within the, the credit and you do not have to reinvest into another home to keep that credit. So you're, you're perfect. Okay. So since, I, since there's no lien, I don't have to worry about the IRS taking any proceeds out of what we get. Okay. That is correct. You're, yes, you're, sir. I, I love listening to your program, Dr. Friday. Thank you very much. Thank you for calling. Appreciate it. Okay, Bye. and that was a great question. Um, so let's go ahead and um, continue here. I was talking about meals uh, and how they changed the law under the, the Consolidated Appropriation Act. Transportation, um, that was basically kind of put back in under the Tax Law Act of 2017, which was the tax cut, right? Tax Cut and Jobs Act that started kind of some of these things where, in, where income tax brackets and things came down. Uh, business travel expenses are still deductible under the new law. This includes business travel between sites, travel to temporary assignments, generally in one year or less, that is outside your general area of residential, travel between primary and secondary jobs, and all other cabs, buses, trains, planes, and primary jobs 
um, and automobile expense. Any regular commuting, this is the key words here, guys. This is how we lost the 2106 as far as I'm concerned. That was the deduction where employees could deduct expenses. Too many people were taking any regular commuting expense to your primary job cannot be deducted. That's why you got a job. Government's not paying you to go to work. You have to go from home to work on your dime, not anyone else. And if your home and work is 150 miles apart, guess what? You chose to work and live in two different areas. That is a choice. You may say, well, I didn't have a choice. I couldn't get a job anywhere else. That is still a choice. You could still move. You can relocate. These are options the government feels you have. And so when it comes to just commuting between, and this is especially important, even with my entrepreneurs, I have some that are um, maybe in the medical profession. And so they're a LLC and they work as a a practitioner of some sort. Um, But that being said, that practitioner, um, if they can't work from home, so their home is never going to be a home office. It is going to be the first location where they actually work. So if that home office is, uh, that location is an office, I don't know, they live in Spring Hill and is in Nashville, then that first commute is not a tax deduction, even though you're operating as a subcontractor to that facility. Um, If you're going from facility to facility after the first stop, yes, the next one could be considered commuting because then you went from a location to a location, but your home is not the home office, therefore not the first place of business. So these are the kinds of things, because so often I have people, and it's always the hardest is when one of my clients will come back and say, hey, an associate of mine is writing off all these miles and you're not, in a sense, I'm not letting you do that. And so this is why you can put anything on a tax return you want, but the odds are sooner or later, you're going to pay the piper. I like to sleep really good at night. So I prefer to put stuff on a tax return that I have the ability to possibly, um, you know, justify. Okay. Not possibly, definitely justify. Um, So that's the kind of conversation we want to have. You want to be able to make sure that you are justifying the expenses on your tax return, not, not doing anything else. You want to justify it. And you want to make sure that works. So that's what we're going to do. So that's really important. Miles can seem to be an extremely confusing, frustrating situation. Many of my clients, but we're going to try to keep it unfrustrating for you because if, um, if you're commuting and that's one thing now, let's say you have a job where you have to use your car to deliver, to go pick things up and your boss does not have a accountability uh, reimbursement plan. And so to be honest, those are the ones that got hurt when the 2106 or the employee deductions came out because they would have had a legitimate tax deduction possibly on those situations. So the best thing to do is maybe have a conversation with your boss. He's wanting to give you some money, but instead of making it, um, and and why not just reimburse you for the expenses you can't write off anyways, but there is some things they would have to do. They would have to initiate an accountability expense program, a reimbursement plan, um, generally an accounting plan that is serves both the employer and the employee. You know, this is not something that's just going to be good for the employer, not just something that's good for the employee. This is something that's good for both, but there is plans out there where your employer can give you money that reimburses you for your travel. Again, has to be legitimate travel 
If they want to give you money to commute from home to work, they better just give you a raise because that's the only way you're going to get that additional money. All right, we're going to take our last break. So if you've been listening and you've got some questions and you're trying to figure out, oh, should I call? Well, be brave. Pick up the phone, 615-737-9986, 615-737-9986. We're going to come back and we're going to talk more about some of the deductions, some of the things you need to do to keep paperwork and how to you know, justify your tax deduction. So you're not sitting there going, oh, I think I can do this, or I think I can do that. If you're questioning, if it's truly a tax deduction, I would definitely have a sit down with a professional. I'm obviously an enrolled agent, but it with somebody that is a, is a good professional CPA, EA uh, that does taxes, because that's going to be the important part. We're going to be right back with the Dr. Friday show. back here live in studio and we have two on the line which i appreciate let's hit ann first hey ann hi dr friday um i had a rental house that was demolished in the uh, tornado of last year and um it's almost finished being rebuilt but i've added to it um let's just say a hundred thousand and now and um, my question is, if I sell it, will I have to, without renting it again, will I have to pay on the whole amount it currently is valued or what it was when it was demolished? And I did get um, the insurance money to uh, equate the, the value that it would have been had I just not added to it. Right. So you would have the new value. You'd have whatever it was worth plus the hundred thousand that you either put in cash and or mortgage, whatever. Um, But you know what you put in. So it would be the new value, what you've put into it, you would be your basis for that rental. So that could be quite a bit then, than what it was originally. Well, originally you, you got the original. So let's say it was originally before the storm, you brought the house. How much did you pay for the house? Just give me a rough number. Throw me a number. Um, uh, let's just say 150. Okay, so you paid 150 for it, and then after the storm, they basically rebuilt that. Plus, you put another hundred in, so you're going to have 250k basis. If it sells right. for 500, you'll make 250k. Right. But, right. And will I have? To, but yes. So I'll have to pay taxes on all of that then. Only on what's above I- the two hundred and fifty thousand in our scenario. So you paid one hundred and fifty plus. You put an additional hundred. So your new basis is going to be two hundred and fifty thousand. So whatever you sell it above that will be what you're going to pay capital gains on. Oh, okay. Follow through. Anything okay. Above it. Yeah. Now I will tell you if this was a rental property, there would be another thing called a um, recapture of depreciation that may oh, come into play. Oh, right. Yeah. No, I'm, I'm, I know that one. Okay. Well, <laughs> yeah, I think, I think that's all I probably need to know then because I'm Perfect. question, I'm deciding whether to rent it or just sell it. Right. Um, well, that's, that's a big question. And this year, I mean, seriously, I mean, with the prices as what they are, I mean, there's no guarantee it won't still go up or anything else, but these are the highest we've ever seen in the 20 plus oh, years yeah. I've lived in Tennessee. Um, right. And so it's hard to walk away from almost doubling our our income, you know, our profit, but, you know, just keep in mind, you, you probably need to 
consider what the taxes or do a 1031 and buy something else, which is a lot harder said than done. As far as I'm concerned, it's there's not a lot yeah. out there that I would want to pay the value for at this moment. Personally. Sure. Okay. Well, okay. anything over 250 is capital gains. That's all I yep, need. On, on, and that's just in this scenario. So whatever you paid like 150 plus the hundred, that's how I came to the 250. Okay. Okay. All right, all right girl. Thanks. Thank you so much. Bye-bye. Mm -hmm. All right. Let's hit Marsha. Hey, girl. Marsha, did I lose you? No, I'm sorry. I didn't know you said my name. That's all right. No my worries, daughter died. Right. My daughter died this year, and I'm going to have to file taxes at the end of the year for her. Mm -hmm. And I'm sorry. I'll probably get upset. Nope. But uh, right. her Baby 401k just... that I received, would mm -hmm. that be on my income tax, my money, or would that be on her? That would be on yours. Her Right. Uh, they they should send you a 1099-R from the distribution, and it should be sent directly to you if you were her only beneficiary. Okay, and I don't have to file I don't have to file taxes on the um, insurance, do I? Most likely, the insurance no, and if she had any real estate, there'd be a step up in basis. So no, the 401k or whatever she may have had a 403b that would have been probably the only thing that she may have had deferred the well, taxes. The house her house, she and I owned a house together, and we had it in this in the title where if one of us died, it automatically transferred to the other one. So but I don't have um, to do anything about that. Right. It, but you're going to be similar to a married couple to the extent that when you guys both signed and brought the house, maybe a number of years ago, when she passed away, you're now entitled to a step up in basis on her share. So just like the gentleman that I called earlier, I think it was Jeff, um, that his wife had passed away. It's the same scenario with you. If it was joint tenant with you and your daughter, her share would be whatever mm -hmm. it's worth at the time of her passing, not what it, what you paid for originally. So you may want to talk, give me a call on Monday or whatever, but there, um, there's some real estate people you could call and get some comps because at some point you might decide to sell this house and that would save you some tax dollars by having it done um, <laughs> while you have it. Okay. okay. All right. Thank you. No problem, sweetheart. Thank you. Talk to you later. All <laughs> right. Bye -bye. So this has been the Dr. Friday show. And if you had some questions, well, I think you missed the window. We only got about four minutes left thereabouts. So we're going to um, make sure that you understand tax season is not over yet for 2020. Um, we will, if you've extended, if you've done an extension, you're good till October 15th, 2020. If you did not file an extension, you're late. So, you, you know, now the caveat to that is if the government owes you money, there really isn't a late filing, you know, to be quite honest, uh, it, late filing really only applies to individuals that owed money and did not pay their money. If you paid all your money back in, in uh, April and the IRS owes you a refund, likeliness is you'll have no penalty for failure to file. Now, my opinion is file it on time, get your money, get in line, get everything squared away and taken care of. That's the smartest and the fastest way to make sure. I have filed a couple tax returns lately through e-file and they seem to be somewhat on target. Now I will say each one of these did not have any stimulus money tied in it. So that being said, I think that is also one of the things that is holding up a lot of people's tax returns is the stimulus. If you have um, not received your stimulus, if you haven't um, and you haven't filed, 
you need to file to get your stimulus. So 2020 is the only way that you're going to get stimulus one and stimulus two. Um, you have to file a tax return. If you don't have a file, if you ha don't have any uh, income, you still need to file a tax return if you did not receive those um, stimulus checks. The third stimulus is going to file on the 2021 tax return, which we're hoping that maybe this system will get a little better, but um, we don't have any guarantees on that. So we're going to keep our eyes open and keep you up to date on any of the current tax laws or current tax changes that are happening because we have had three tax changes in the last pretty much the last year we had the tax act of 2017 which kind of went in effect at the first of 2018 and then we had the american rescue plan which was in i believe 2020 and then we had the consolidated appropriation act in 2021 and they are working right now on the family act i believe it's called um and that one is also coming through some tax changes. So we are trying our best to stay on top of all these tax changes that have happened in this last year or two. And if you've got questions, if you haven't filed taxes, if you're trying to figure out what's the best way or where do I start, easiest thing is to set up an appointment because our initial appointments are always free to make sure that we are all on the same page. No sense in charging somebody if I can't help them. And to do that, all you want to do is pick up the phone and call 615 367-0819. That is our direct line into the office. If you call that number, we can set up an appointment um, and see if there's something I can do to help you. If you have family or friends that are behind that, uh, you know, if you haven't got a payment plan. And I know many of you were in payment plans, but then COVID hit and now they don't seem to be able to get payment plans reset up. That's something we can help you with, or we can see if there's a better situation for you. It really just depends on your individual situation, how much money you owe, and how much money or assets you have to your name. Those are all very important questions. So if you want to give, uh, get an appointment, again, 615-367-0819 is directly to the office. You can also check me out on the web, drfriday.com. Again, drfriday.com is the website. You can find out who I am, who this crazy person is, what an enrolled agent is, what we do. And I do not just, to, someone just sent me a thing. Do you work for the IRS? No, I don't work for the IRS. I am licensed by the IRS to do representation and taxation. So basically to prepare taxes and to represent you in front of the IRS. But you need to have representation because sometimes it's kind of like trying to fix your own car unless you're a really good mechanic. And then if you can't get through the phone lines or if for some reason you're traveling, it's just easier, you can email me Friday, like the day of the week. That is my first name, Friday at drfriday.com. Again, Friday at drfriday.com or call me 615-367-0819 is the phone number here. And so I hope you guys are having an awesome Saturday and I hope that you guys will continue to Enjoy this weather and don't forget to prepare your taxes. Get ready come September for your next quarterly. And if you've sold something recently and you need to make an estimated payment, don't wait till the last minute. Make sure you're sitting in your money so there's no additional penalty for not making a proper quarterly or proper estimated tax return. Copulator.